0: Welcome to Consciously Cannabis. I'm Carly, host of Consciously Clueless, the podcast bringing you this series. Together with guests, I'll be exploring cannabis through lenses of sustainability, mindfulness, and plant-based living. Bonus content from Consciously Cannabis will be available at patreon.com slash Take a hit, or don't, all are welcome here, and let's get lit.
1: Nice to meet you, Carly. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I have to admit, when I started the idea for the Consciously Cannabis series, I just made a list of people I would love to talk to. And, you know, some people that feels like, oh, I'll hear back from them and some it doesn't. And I was so overwhelmed to hear back and know that I was going to get to talk to you too. So I'm really honored.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for the kind appreciation.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Truly. So welcome to the new series, Consciously Cannabis.
1: All right. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your concept for the series before we get started.
0: Sure. Yeah, that would be great. I have had this podcast consciously clueless for about three years now. I started during the pandemic after Googling, how do I start a podcast? I wanted to create a space where people could come to learn about how to live a more connected conscious life and not feel like they had to do it perfectly. Hence the clueless part where you could Mm -hmm. show up not knowing things and not feel bad about it. And now that I'm uh, in a state in Minnesota that we are legal, I feel like I could come out of the weed closet a little bit, which my mom was like, were you really in a weed closet? Did you think anybody (laughs) didn't know? Uh, But I wanted to then be able to bring this lens of conscious living to the conversation around cannabis. So people in this, you know, region and area not that that's the only place people listen but it's more popular right around the states that you're releasing and i just thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about cannabis and dispel some myths and and wellness and and all of it really
1: great well first mon and i are always happy to dispel myths about cannabis
0: (laughs) (laughs) i figured you were the right people to talk to
1: in our job descriptions and yeah, so happy, happy to do that and, you know, share whatever we've got with you. And yeah, it's, it's such important work. You know, there's so many people who would come into Harborside during the Harborside years and, and have questions that were completely legitimate questions that, they, right. that any person should have who was exploring cannabis for the first time. And frequently they were, they were embarrassed to ask the questions across yeah. the county because they felt uncool. Yes, it would cool to ask that question. So they didn't ask the question, right? And mm-hmm. would end up with a product that wasn't the right product because they didn't ask the question. And right. it was something that we really had to like proactively train our staff to be able to to pierce through that that factor. So I think you know, giving people permission to not be experts to learn is is really important. So I applaud that approach.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I obviously people can look into so much of the work that you have both done in, in these worlds. So I won't, I'm not going to make you do your history <laughs> that people can Google of all of the work. I would like to say that the last prisoner project was a really big eye opener for me a few years ago. And I credit to a lot of my knowledge in growing in this, this area. So Thank you for that work.
1: Yeah. The Last Prisoner Project is something that's very dear to my heart. I was around when all these guys were catching these ridiculous sentences. Yeah. in, you know, 30 years ago, I was I was I was not as big as they were for the most part, but I was around and I was in the scene. And yeah. I remember being horrified when, when they caught those sentences. And our attitude was really simple, right? When they declared the war on drugs on us, we were like, we didn't declare this war, but mm. we're not right either. And so now 30 years later, we're finally getting our brothers and sisters in arms out of prison.
0: Yeah, truly. And I I did an interview earlier today with someone for the series talking about cannabis and, and sustainability. And no matter where the conversation is around people who really understand this and dive into it and care about this, you always end up back at racism And the, in the structural imbalances are such a crucial part of this conversation that me as a white girl, I didn't have to think about for a long time. I was like, yay, weed, right? Like I can totally own that privilege and being forced to see those differences and how that is for other people of the world. Like, it's crucial to being able to be a little bit more conscious,
1: yeah, I'm, and I'm sure firstman has plenty to say on this, but you know from my point of view you you cannot understand the prohibition of cannabis without understanding the role that racism played mm-hmm. in it. and it's 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 the two are intertwined twined like like the braids on my hair are are intertwined.
0: Mm-hmm. Firstman, did you have anything to add?
2: Yeah. Every time the conversation of racism comes up for me, it's just really about people, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that's, that, that's what I think about. And I keep trying to say to my so-called white family that in all honesty, we are all pawns on this game, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and they're, it's almost like the rich people as use white people for a buffer zone, like the Queen, you know, to s- protect them from, and we are willing participants in the divide and rule space. And it's a lot of responsibility that is on that particular community to see that the privilege is not real. Mm-hmm. It, it's set up to divide the planet, it is set up to divide humanity. And the longer we continue to put it on anyone else but ourselves you know we will continue this problem you know this 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 idea of us functioning on the behalf of something that that means none of us any good but some people benefit a little bit more from it you know there's no easy way through evolution we have to find the hard things because that it it is through those potholes and through those ruts. And this is why sometimes I'm very, very concerned about the idea of the wellness industry. You mm. know, because in a way it speaks. Yeah, I, I remember when there were certain things that came out about manifestation and it's almost like you could just sit and go, mm, and all things will be provided. We know those yoga stretches are, take time. You know, we know they do take some level of, uh, of commitment mm-hmm. to be able to reach and practice, to be able to get to a particular time.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: in a way, as a as a group of people, humanity, as an entity, they, I, I see where the privilege will have to start to look at what is the practice mm. that we're going to develop to build this bridge between that divide of privilege and unprivileged, you know? So mm-hmm. that racism can be the total myth that it is. We are the ones perpetrating and carrying on that function of racism. It's us, mm-hmm. humanity. So when it comes down to the herb, which is really the, the enemy of the rich, because herbs are that entity that will allow you to know that there is more there is more than than what is shown to you and if you continue to see through those veils then you are not going to be controlled you know but the moment you are able to lift those veils then of course you will have much much better control of yourself and right. you'll be able to have sovereignty self determination which does not support you know the idea of either democracy, colonialism, or anything like that, and and once they got the plans out of the conversation, once they, they 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 remove the idea of all things being divine, and now it's only the voice of human beings that lead human beings, and in a way, that's just where we are. It's important to know where you are. So you can really know where you're going.
0: Thank you for that. I think that the the conversation around cannabis and wellness is really interesting right now, and it, the wellness industry as a thing, which I think you were kind of getting at first, meant is a whole. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Is kind of to get through the muck of the wellness industry. But how do you think wellness and cannabis are being talked about now? Do you think that it's a helpful conversation or there's still a lot of misunderstandings with how to use cannabis for wellness?
1: Well, when I started talking about cannabis in public, once I got my cannabis license in 2006 and Open Mm -hmm. Harbor Health Center, I got a lot of uh, questions from reporters that were like, come on, Steve how many people going to your to your dispensary are really patients? How many of them are really sick? Right. Mm -hmm. And I told them they're all patients. Every person who's coming here is coming for wellness, Mm -hmm. wellness, serious diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's and and multiple sclerosis that we know that cannabis is effective for. It includes chronic conditions like depression and chronic fatigue and insomnia that we know that cannabis is effective for. It also includes a wide range of other effects that people don't normally usually think of as wellness effects, but very much profoundly are, like the ability of cannabis to put you in closer touch with nature like the ability of cannabis to, to open up your perspectives and allow you to explore other alternatives, right? Like the ability right. cannabis to turn an argument into a discussion or a walk through the woods into a spiritual experience or the way it can help an artist find just the right color or it can help a poet find just the right word. Uh, the way that it elevates our creativity, the way that it helps us get along with each other—all um, of these things are, are wellness aspects. Even yes. the joy, the euphoria that cannabis gives us, joy and euphoria are normal and 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 should be an expected part of the human experience. It's it's part of the reason that we're here on this planet, that we're in this cycle of life, is to feel joy and mm-hmm. to give each and so all of these aspects of cannabis every single last one of them is about wellness now the wellness industry is a different thing from wellness but <laughs> in my cannabis is profoundly a wellness entity really and if there was any doubt about that the fact that we have an endocannabinoid system that endogenously produces many of the same cannabinoids that we get from from the plant, and that that system is the system that's responsible for maintaining all of our other life systems in good shape is really the final proof. Cannabis is a wellness product. It's not an intoxicant.
0: So if you were getting that reaction in 2006 and you know, jumping to 2023, do you see, still feel like you have to kind of explain why cannabis equals wellness, or is that Becoming a more culturally known thing, from your perspective.
1: Well, I think we've been tremendously successful in 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 changing the paradigm, the mass popular paradigm of cannabis use from intoxication to wellness. Mm-hmm. There are very few Americans now who don't know about the the the, the therapeutic effects of cannabis, and right. give them give them credence that's a massive massive turnaround when in 2006 people were still rolling their eyeballs and going come on steve how many of your patients are really sick now right
0: yeah
1: yeah that doesn't happen uh anymore right
2: well on our side as rastafari you know when we when we think about wellness we were more coming from the source which is the mind Mm. And how do we conduct and behave ourselves? And it is with this conduct and behavior, behavior that we then extend these other aspects of the plant. However, in meeting the plant as a friend, in meeting the plant as a conversation, would have been how we heal the mind. You know, uh, how we heal the thought process, hence reduce multiple sclerosis, Mm hence reduce depression, hence reduce anxiety, insomnia, all of these things because you would have now been in touch with and have deeper connection with your entire reality. Mm -hmm. And 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 so for us as Rastafari, it was more about. The the social activism side of it It was more about how do these things bring together and build community. It was more how we interact with it for information as it relates to moving forward in, in all aspects of our life, environmental, spiritual, and all these other aspects. And it really sort of goes without saying you know, that really and truly these entities are integral in our development. But we have given them this very harsh work to mm. do as well, to expand, you know, beyond all of their, well, within all of their capabilities, to reach out to a sick human society. And that's just the the beauty and the wisdom of them. However, it's almost like the same conversation that I would have with Christian people who always reason about going to hell. And like, okay, if you say this thing is real, do you honestly think that if we start to take better care of the planet, there would be any reason if there is a God to destroy it? And it's the same Mm. kind of a thing, you know? We put this pressure of how we deal with ourselves and then we apply this... You know, real hardcore dependency on these entities to heal problems that we should not have created in the first place. Wow. And this is why, personally, you know, I'm here more to defend the integrity of the plan and to really ask human beings to look at their own awareness and to see if they're being their best self because I'm convinced that. The vibration where the plants are functioning at, it's its its a deep stretch just to catch us, you know, from, from going into total extinction and taking a lot of other things with us as we destroy this planet. You know, so I think the plant is working on the behalf of all living things mm. and giving humanity a, a chance to stretch deep. But if we take personal responsibility of how we eat, how we speak to each other, how we evolve ourselves in relationships, how do we value pleasure over, you know, commitment and reality? How do we see the future generations, you know, and and see the future as now? If we are ever able to connect to that, Then a lot of these things that we use these plants for, we wouldn't. And then we would have evolved our relationship to Mm -hmm. more interaction and conversation. And just many people would have lived and died and just don't know the true potential of this plant more than assisting them with chronic pain or cancer. You know what I mean? It's just like a tool. And these plants are friend Mm -hmm. families that are here Thousand, their ancestors that have been here thousands of years before us and are just lending their wisdom to see if we can just ever go to the next level. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's how I, that's how I think human beings have put a lot of pressure on these, on these plants and send them into prohibition and, you know, because we have just created a confused world. And and people are trying to medicate themselves. And they are not doing it with the right spiritual technology that has been developed by our ancients in any way, shape, or form. They just go straight to the plant, and the plant is doing what it's doing. However, human beings are strong. I, I have to agree that human being is absolutely as a natural entity, is no, is probably. As serious as a tornado, earthquake, you know, the greatest storms put together, we are that. So yeah, so I'm really here to defend the integrity of the plant. And the wellness industry to me is is something that, yes, we need healing, but we cannot continue that process of so aware of what it takes to create a better you and continue to be in a-
1: One of the interesting things about talking to First Mon and I is that you, you got a hippie perspective and a Rastafari perspective. <laughs>
0: I'm into it. <laughs> I, I am so into it because I love that it feels like, and please someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a lot of this conversation is, um, and I've thought about this too, is how do you, like you're saying the integrity of the plant. I haven't used that phrase, but keeping the integrity of the plant as I learn more and more and using it for all these different reasons, but how do you not commodify it? And it just becomes another another product of late stage capitalism. And then the integrity is gone. I think that's a little bit of what we're getting at. And where's that line? I don't, I'm not sure.
2: Well, where Ipi and Rastafara would connect is in a piece that Steve wrote about top of the pyramid. You know, because all of these people that were making so much money out of cannabis, as soon as cannabis has broken down the uncivilized barriers of, of, of what now we are moving to call legalization, they're only surviving because of uncivilized governance. The minute the plant has broken down all of that, you will see it has to come to the people. It will be a cultural immersion that, that 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 that's what the plant was here for, and that what that's what it will continue to do. And capitalism does what capitalism does does. However, I don't think they have any kind of a wisdom more than these plants. You know, so I think the plants are doing what they're doing. Poor capitalism, you know, thinking that they're having one up. Some had to win. There's no doubt some had to win right. and, and and some good people actually came through in making those steps in the beginning and then some bad people too. But once the pyramid starts to grow, just remember it will go on the reverse. It will be flipped around, you know, and that's a space where Steve and I, we definitely connect. And we also see that these plants are here for rebellion, for social change. That's what Rastafari would have used it for, to be able to get a deeper understanding of self-determination. And then once you know how you want to determine yourself, then the next move is to do it. And, And that do it is the acceptance of life in its natural form. The issue we are having right now is in the spiritual community. The spiritual community has an opportunity to create its own roadmap, you know, but there's a lot of ego in the spiritual community. You know, there's a lot of transfer of the same behaviors of the capitalism into the spiritual community. Absolutely. We use the same type of contractual profiles when we're going to do any kind of a business together. We do the same type of communication protocols. You know, if we have to interface with something. And last night, we did our first historic ceremony. Yes, we are connected to the hippie. But last night, Rastafari called First Night, we connected to the Shipibo tradition straight out of Peru. And it it is this because she's still here in Rasta Village. And the best thing how I could describe that ceremony Because it was led by a woman, you know, and is that mother heart spoke and is speaking. And it was just a beautiful thing to listen to those and see that we're we're trying our best to build these bridges because all the answers in the spiritual community. It's really here. And but we are not able to live that amongst ourselves. It's so easy to point to government, but then when we point to self-governance, it becomes very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. difficult. Carly, I I think that
1: that process that you were talking about, right, that this whole um, area that we've kind of been talking about through the course of of the podcast, I describe as learning the lessons that the plants have to teach us and learning how to implement those lessons in our world, right? Mm -hmm. One of the amazing things about cannabis and all the visionary plants is that they give us an ability to double-check ourselves, right? Human beings have these incredibly powerful minds, and sometimes we need help to make sure that what our minds are doing are in alignment with the innermost yearnings of our heart. And that's why Mother Nature has made sure that there's hundreds and hundreds of visionary plants all around the world, that we always get our hands on them, right, is, is so that we can double-check ourselves, so that we can learn the lessons that these plants teach us. And one of the rarely known pieces of human history is that visionary plants have been a part of human cultures for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The ancient Greek society that came up with things like logic and democracy and drama, that was all of those things were the product of a psychedelic mind, the wine mm-hmm. that the drinking was infused with psychedelic botanicals. And, and that pattern is repeated in spiritual systems throughout history and across the globe. <clears throat> that pattern came to an end in the Western world when the Catholic Church adopted, or, or when the Roman Empire adopted Christianity as its official religion. And in 380, the Pope banned the use of all visionary plants and launched a campaign of terror against all of the wise men and wise women who carried these plants and taught us about them. This is when the witch burning started. The temples were torn down. The priestesses were dragged out and violated. This is when the great library at Alexandria, Egypt, was burned to the ground. And when the Academy of the Philosophers was closed in in Athens and the philosophers were driven into exile. It was the beginning of the Dark Ages in Europe. We are now reclaiming. That is the heritage that we are reclaiming. And it's no coincidence that during this period of time when human beings divorced themselves from our plant teachers, from our plant guides, coincides with the period of time that we developed technology, which is now threatening to destroy the planet. And so we are engaged truly in a sacred work to reconnect with these plants, to have the conversations once again, and critical to that is learning the lessons and having the courage and the fortitude, the commitment to really act on them.
0: What both of you have just shared about, I keep coming back to that phrase first, when the integrity of the plant. I think that that's such a, a great way to put it and really helps kind of solidify that in my brain. Do you then, do either of you get frustrated or kind of, I don't know, not look down on is not the right word, but maybe you get get frustrated by people who are like, I'm just here for a good time. I'm just trying to get really freaking stoned. Like, does that feel like a misuse of the plant or is that a part of the experience?
1: Not so much People who say they're just here to make a bunch of money. Fair. I mean,
2: judgment is always dangerous, you know?
0: Right. I was kind of trying to avoid that, but I was basically asking you if you judged. So I don't know why I was skirting around it. Hey there, it's me. If you're digging this conversation so far around conscious living in this episode and you're feeling inspired to make change, that's literally why I'm here. If you want sustainable ways to be sustainable, you hear eco friendly or green and wonder if you're doing it right. You want to make your diet more earth friendly by going vegan. You want to live a more connected life, but you're not even sure what that means. No judgment. It is possible to feel excited about making changes to make a difference in the world every single day with your choices to go vegan and stay vegan without feeling like you're missing anything, or to learn how to make good choices for the planet without feeling stressed. I help folks who are ready to make changes in their life that support their health and the world around them through supportive coaching, practical education, and steps that make you enjoy the process. If that's you, email me at consciouslycarly at gmail.com and let's chat. Back to the episode.
2: You know, the other day I went to this conference and I was asked to give the blessings. And this was after a bureaucrat and a a politician came on the stage and the politician was just saying some, some things that was so painful to me, you know, just to listen. Again, people who have never interacted with the plant, but they are the ones making regulations and pulling on treaties and what they have to do to make sure that they can stay in line with member states. And, you know, I, I decided that I was supposed to give the blessings at the beginning and of course I was late. So they said, well, okay, give the blessings at the end. And at the end, I realized that I could not give a blessing. Mm-hmm. I could only ask for forgiveness. And that forgiveness that I did ask for was for my ancestors who ran out of the mountains from Helicopter, you know. People who in Jamaica it was like one year and six months mandatory sentence for ganja, no trial, just straight to prison. If you were caught with a seed, if you were caught with a joint, it would be seven years. And to watch. How these people were treated, you know for for the for this plant, and then to listen to a bureaucrat and a politician, having conversations in this particular way. I really had to ask my ancestors for, "I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. If my presence there represented anything at all to do with condoning that type of a behavior. But I also had to ask forgiveness for the from the plant, you know, who is playing a much longer game than a few lives that right. are being lost, you know. And to ask the plant that if the pain that I feel in my soul is in any way discreditation to the method that she is using, To allow politicians and bureaucrats and commodities to be the ones who are leading this conversation. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. So I live in that balance. I live in that balance to know that the plant is doing a lot of things. And some of these very stoned people or those who just want to get stoned are still a bit closer than those who wouldn't even.
0: Right. Right. Right, on the spectrum, right? From like clueless to conscious.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's really medicated. Listen, man, colonialism, is a serious thing. And people had to find a way how to medicate themselves. To survive. Yeah, and you can't apply the right medication if you don't even know what is wrong. Oof. And and that's that's the legacy of colonialism. For you to be sick and you don't know what the cause Mm -hmm. is for your sickness, you know? And as I say, some people just feel privileged. That's a sickness. Mm -hmm. Once you think you're more privileged than someone else and you live and work on that, you're sick. And once you think that you're unprivileged, you're sick. How many of us have just accepted that? Lives and thousands of lives have already accepted themselves as either privileged or unprivileged. Better or worse than someone else. And it continues today. It's a system. And human beings, unfortunately, can only live for just about 100 years. A system, 3,000 years, and it's just getting started so there we go yeah it's a thing you know
1: one of the the commonalities between hippie and rastafari with regards to cannabis mm-hmm. is that we both were blessed by the plant to become empowered to mm. break out of conformity and we talk about about revealing oneself to to oneself right we were in very different circumstances we had different levels of privilege we had different histories but the plant spoke to us in this in this very similar way. And it allowed us to have a direct connection to the divine and to use that the truth that we got there to take a look at the at the society around us and understand that, that the structures of that society, the conformity of that society, was was not in keeping with the innermost yearnings of our heart. It it helped us see the trap of conformity that that people have fallen into and and find a light and find the courage to to break ourselves out of that.
0: It feels like a, a path to kind of return home.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope that's a good yeah. giggle.
2: <laughs> yeah it is you not know, home is such a Home has been disguised so much as a process. And that's also another sickness of colonialism. Mm.
0: You
2: know, so Africans want to go back to Africa. People have been ripped from their story. And home is really humanity, no matter who you are. And that home is a long way home for us to really see that. And in a way, that journey is necessary. Because it is a long way that you have been taken away from that home. And not being able to create your own reality is is, is a very serious thing, you know. Most of the time, as I say, human beings panic because we don't see a friend in these thousand years entities. So sometimes we start to rush at the end. Everybody wants to get it done right now, however as I say, the plant is playing these very long games with us. You know, journeying step by step, step by step, offering our wisdom, tweaking as we go along. And that's an important ride to be around for. Very, very important ride to be around.
0: For. So, how did the two of you come to combine forces?
2: Yeah. And yeah.
0: and now you're leading retreats together, correct?
2: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I don't know. I think Steve explained it in the beginning. It's just all about the plant. Speaking to us in one particular way, stepping over boundaries, borders, colors, schemes, and all of these things, and really just sort of knitted us together that the physical story is minuscule in comparison to that deeper, longer vision that would have really put us together and now we're doing retreats. Mm. I think that, you know, as I sat in that ceremony first night and listened to that woman sing the Icaros, I was like, man, this idea of community and collective security and development and sustainable thought process it's such an important thing, you know, to preserve in oneself and in the ability to sort of see that and be that, you know, it's, it's a very, very important thing. And when I was watching, I was really kind of learning from that indigenous space where people are totally connected to some level of non-matrix attitude. and. It's a beautiful thing to to live and see when you can find it in your own self. You know, so yeah. I mean, what put Steve and myself together? I think is really the plan. It's really the plan, because even if we had met and we had liked each other, the plan ensured that it wrapped its fibers of hemp around us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a beautiful image! Yes.
2: Yes. And just ensure that we we do what we have got to do, you know. So life is a ceremony. This retreat wasn't a hard sell to a hippie man who recognized legacy, mm. you know, who recognized what Rastafari has done, you know, for kind of the way how it allowed them to rebel without any kind of a fear. Because they knew that what they were doing was right, and there are a few people that would come back and say, "You know what? Through all those years of me having this journey, I can know that Rastafari and reggae music has played this very significant role, and hence, I think that more people should know about the role that it played, and more of its vibration should be made known. You know to." To ourselves, and that's what I take from my relationship with Steve.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's, it's spot on. First, Rastafari was so important to, to us hippies, you know, way back in the late '60s, the early '70s. We had this expression: "Don't trust anyone over 30," because you really couldn't <laughs> trust them 30 then, right? They were all. Oh
0: just, no, I'm 31. Oh shit!
1: <laughs> not true anymore, Carly. So don't worry about. It. But it was true uh, then. And so we hungered, even though we didn't know that we hungered, we hungered for elders. We mm. hungered We hungered for the validation of knowing that somebody had come before us who had believed in and struggled for the same things. People who believed that there was divinity in, in the plant and tried to, to listen to the plant as we were trying to do. And so everything we had ever heard about cannabis had been negative. All of the propaganda, everything. And so when 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 Bob Marley and Peter Tosh started putting out this soundtrack of, of revolution for us, it, it it validated us, it told us that we were on the right track. Like like mm-hmm. first said, we knew in that moment that we were right. And 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 our commitment, which was already strong because we were in conversation with the plant, became locked in forever forever and 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 as i had an opportunity in 2019 to travel around the world to emerging cannabis economies to see the progress that we started in california how it had spread around the planet yeah. i discovered like 80 or 90 percent of the young people i talked to told me that they heard about the cannabis plant through reggae music and through reggae music They had also learned the lessons of Rastafari, uh, the lessons of of living with nature, the lessons of each individual, the idea that everyone has their their own realm, right, were also incorporated into, into their belief systems. And so now there are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people around the world who have had basically their spiritual belief systems influenced by Rastafari. In not not a very conscious kind of way, right? right. almost right. just through osmosis. It's a good way, right? Now, Rastafari needs our help. Rastafari has always been under threat in Jamaica. In 1963, the government of Jamaica called for the people to bring in all Rastafari dead or alive. And Rastafari had to flee to the bush and live there off of the land just in order to remain alive, just in order to 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 survive.
2: Yeah, you know, and, the, and that, the part of, that part of our history that Steve is talking about can also, every time Steve talked to me about the Rainbow family and how they do things, you know, coming out of that same type of a rebellion and taking over national parks. Mm-hmm. and creating these kinds of experiences that were sovereign, didn't have a permission, didn't have license, but created these sovereign, authentic version. These are decolonizing steps. These are steps that allow us to decolonize the mind, right? <laughs> and emancipate ourselves. And whether we are right or, or wrong, we're very sure about one thing is fuck the system, you know? If that's the <laughs> message,
0: one thing people take away from this episode, that's it. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Hell you yeah. Know, so writing that story of how we are not going to remain here in this mirror, you know? We're going to remove ourselves from here because anywhere is better, is a thing for us so yeah i mean those are some of the parallels that we that we bring together and i hope that this spiritual community can see that a lot of the answers and examples and pilot behavior that that the world is looking for you know to think about change how to make things different they're really looking to us And when we don't have good relationships with each other as a community, you know, as a community of planned people, I'm telling you, man, there's a lot of ego in this community, a lot of ego.
0: Did you want to follow up on something, Steve, after after your thought before I said something else well
1: you know just looping back again to the way that that rastafari and and hippie see this plant and 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 in some similar ways right mm-hmm. for, for both cultures it was a it was a beacon of freedom uh, it was an inspiration to rebellion it was a call to social justice uh, for us the, the 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 cannabis and and all of the visionary substances Weren't just about understanding ourselves and healing ourselves. Um, It's important sometimes to put on the eye shades and go deep into yourself and do that work. But it's also important to take off the eye shades, to look into each other's eyes, Mm -hmm. to look at the natural world. And, and what the human world that we have created is doing to the natural world, to engage in, in that process that I believe psychedelics call us to, right, to see, to double check, to make sure that what we're doing in our daily lives with our executive brains, these powerful, powerful brains that we have, are really in alignment with our hearts, with what we know is true and just and, and beautiful and and that's that's why these these substances are here and and hippie and rastafari have really seen them in the, in this similar way one of the, the things that has troubled me about the rise of the cannabis industry as opposed to the cannabis movement right and the yeah. cannabis movement everybody understood that the system was rotten because right. it had been us all of our lives there was no question in our minds that cannabis was connected to, to social justice, right? Uh, now, the cannabis industry is, you know, the strings there are pulled by people who, who very much see their interests aligned with the system. I, I remember being horrified that one of the, the speakers at a recent cannabis conference said that the job of legal cannabis is to cannibalize the legacy cannabis industry, Right. Oh gosh what what right Uh, it's like you know we did not struggle for 50 years to see our neighborhood dealers put out of business by some corporate fucks Um, right and 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 so i really one of the things that that i hope to see return to the cannabis community is this sense of commitment to social justice it's very much part of of what we hope to do with our retreats at Rastafari Indigenous Village, which are these incredible five-day events that allow people to really immerse themselves in a true Rastafari community that already lives by the lessons that the the plants teach us. But we also pay attention to the process of preparation and integration, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And when we think about integration from psychedelic experiences, for us, it connects back to this fundamental sense of social justice, right? That that if we aren't really interested in, in welcoming people to Rastafari indigenous village, where they can have, engage in these ceremonies, where they can be in our medicinal gardens, where they can forage for their food, where they can eat a height tall diet, where they can learn the chants and the rhythms, and then send them back to the same world that they came from in the hopes that they will more smoothly integrate into it. That's right. not our. What we want to do is inspire and empower people to go back to
2: the world that wounded all of us and change it.
0: Hell yeah! where do I sign up? Where do I put my name?
2: Well, we do have um, a website, www.restovillage.com. Um, I'll
0: put all that in the show notes so people can check all of this out.
2: Yeah, we have been doing retreats. As I say right now, it's about communal development. So at the moment, we do have a Shipibo Empress mother. Well, I don't know if she's a mother, but I know that she's a woman in the village space leading the process, which is just so amazing on so many levels, you know. And so, yeah, so www.restofvillage.com or 876-285-4750, right? And you can, mainly WhatsApp is used in this country. So oh. anyone who's going to do anything, they should just do it via WhatsApp, you know? But yeah, those are, we also have River Retreats on Instagram page, we're looking to do some great work with it in the next couple of weeks coming. Those are some of the ways that we can be reached. But telepathically, you can start having conversation with us. You know, you can listen to a podcast like this. As I say in at the beginning, you consciously clueless is good for me because it's like I consciously know that I don't know. And I think I would love to find out, though. I think I well, that's why
0: fi- we met out. here today was to find <laughs> exactly. this was to solve all the world's problems. Didn't you know? That's why we're here right now.
2: Yes. But so we so get funny. up and do it. Yeah. True. <laughs> I, I
0: appreciate <laughs> I appreciate both of you so much. Is there anything I'm just trying to be cognizant of time, but is there anything that. You wanted to share that I haven't given you space to.
1: Well, I'd like to share with you this concept that came to me largely out of my visits to Rastafari village and my reasonings with first men, and and I call the vision one tribe. And you know, during 2019, which was the first time I visited the village, I I was traveling almost every day of the year, more than 250 days, and I traveled to multiple different continents, you know, 15 different countries, and I was hanging cannabis people and visionary plant people in all of those places. And and we were of all races, all religions, all economic levels. I was sitting around a table smoking weed at the same time with a billionaire and a former FARC guerrilla. And we're getting along together seamlessly, beautifully. Sometimes we'd be traveling together and we had moved through different cultures and different places, different experiences and react to them and and take things of value from them that were remarkably similar and in an alignment with each other. And when that time ended and I parted from these folks, I felt real pain. I was really missing them in my heart. And so as I sat through 2020 and COVID, I, I had time to think about about what had gone there. How had I developed such a strong connection in such a short period of time, an emotional connection, a love connection?
0: Yeah. And
1: I that no matter what our differences were, and there were many and they were profound, no matter what languages we individually spoke, the plants spoke to us in the same language. And, and, and we had learned the same lessons from the plants, and those lessons had informed a common value system. And so no matter where we found ourselves in the world, no matter who we were, we valued creativity over conformity. We valued individual freedom over state or corporate authority. We valued nature over industry. We valued kindness over meanness. We valued inclusivity over judgment. The only thing we really can't tolerate is intolerance, right? Mm -hmm. This is who we are, plant people, earth people no matter where we are anywhere around the planet planet and now there's hundreds of millions of us if you talk to the un they say there's 300 million regular cannabis consumers oh that's got to so be low we know, we know that's an undercount by a factor okay. of, a of three <laughs> Let's say there's 900 million there, right? The U.S. government admits that at least 30 million Americans have found their way to psychedelic experiences on their own. Some public opinion firms uh, in the U.S. are now estimating that 20% of adult Americans have found their way to psychedelic experiences. Similar things are going on all around the world. Extrapolate all and add it up, we are as large as all but the largest nations on earth, and we may be larger than the largest nations on earth. And we cross all of the boundaries that normally create human beings, and we have a common value system. So now we are truly one tribe. We have one value system. We are one people and and my belief is that is that a time is upon us now a time i call the time of the convening where we know all of us can feel in our hearts that we've been called that we're being called by the plants that we're being called to a mission but none of us individually can figure out what that mission is mm. only thrive only by convening only by conversing only by sitting in ceremony with each other opening our hearts to each other healing our differences are we going to be able to figure out what this call is and begin to take action to 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 do what it is that we are being called to? And so I think, you know, every now and then the universe graces me with these visions. And that was, you know, one of the most important ones that that ever I got a download for. And so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share that.
0: Yeah, thank you. That was that was really beautiful. I'm going to be listening to that sound bite a couple of times. Thank you for that.
1: I encourage all the viewers and listeners to go down to Rasta village and meet First Man. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, find what I found that he's um uh an incredible teacher, uh an inspiring human being. Um he is someone who now in these days it's it's possible to to get close to, to sit next to, right. to have per- experiences with and 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 I encourage everybody to to take advantage of that to meet the other incredible people who live at the village. Queen Eye, who is one of she the She was
0: there in the beginning of the our little video chat for just a minute. I met her. Yeah, Queen Eye is this
1: incredible healer who knows every single medicinal plant in the garden and how to turn Ugh. them into pictures and balms and shampoos and soaps you 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 take a bath with one of queen eyes soaps and your skin comes out feeling better than it has i guarantee Ugh. you in years and years right uh kintoto who who makes drums by the oldest african uh methods uh um uh, taking a uh the stump of, of a tree and chiseling it out bit by bit by bit Spleef hanging out of his mouth talking about he <laughs> Never had a boss. He does what he wants to do every single day, making his drums and passing down that. that,
0: that
1: right, just the Nirari who who has created a regenerative garden. Uh, that has cannabis and food plants in it but all of them are arranged in in not by rows but by relationships and your can walk you through the garden and and show you a grouping of plants and talk about the relationship how one plant attracts insects that that are predators for insects that may prey on a different plant and then when those plants die they provide nutrition for yet other plants that are there in this beneficial ongoing regenerative system, a whole different way of thinking about agriculture uh, from industrialized agriculture. The the rhythms and the chants at the village are this combination of Nyabingi rhythms, which is what, what mm-hmm. the basic basic uh, earliest roots of, Ross, of reggae music were, okay. and just something called kumina, which is a spiritual uh, drumming system that comes out of Africa that's used in what they call clearing ceremonies to clear obstacles, and so folks will gather together in prayer ceremonies, and 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 the sponsor of that ceremony will have a a declared obstacle that they want to clear and the drumming will begin and the dancing will begin and and the energy will be called in the spirits will be called in they will be danced with they will be talked with and in a really successful kumina ceremony people reach a state called miau and Mial is is a a super spiritual state that allows people to do things like jump three or four feet up in the air and spin around twenty times and do these incredible incredible out of body kinds of feats. Oh. So there's just all of these very rich that 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 type of ceremony doesn't happen at the village, but it's but it's 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 part of the tradition that has been woven into parts of what the village does, mm-hmm. and. So it's a, just this very unique experience. You know, it's it's easy to go to Jamaica and find a beautiful resort and go spend time there. But it's very rare to be able to go to a true Rastafari village with elders, with children, with artisans, and be able to experience uh, this way of life in such an, an intimate kind of way. So it, it was a life-changing experience for me the first time that i visited the village by the time i was halfway through it tears were rolling down my face because i had dreamed i had dreamed that such a place really existed somewhere in the world and and i was there and oh. it's it, it has it has drawn me back and and called me to the mission that that first month and i have been on i don't actually lead ceremonies mm-hmm. i've been I've been an underground legacy Thanks smuggler and an dealer. Of and an activist. Fought the if you're not ready for this episode I'm to be over, unsee no since I was basically 15 years old. Bonus content. There's a lot of
0: blood Sometimes and guests and I will smoke together. Maybe you'll see some with
1: on a Who personal knows? level go, right go to patreon.com on .com/consciousness and think that all the bonus content.
0: And thank you so much for to this. That
1: kind of work around my own. Enjoyed it. Remember to hit subscribe whenever you listen to your podcast. Share it with a friend and tell
0: someone I'm know, really more of a supporter, helps, and just so a supporter
1: of, of the village, lending some of the skills that I've been able to develop in the mainstream business world to be able to support what they do already so so beautifully and to introduce other people to, to the experience. So, uh, again, just really um, appreciate uh, this opportunity to to tell your viewers about the special things that are going on there.